0: The State of Recruiting is brought to you by 24 7 Sports and the Horns 24 7 Network of Podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast platform of your choice. We also invite you to listen to the other great shows on the Horns 24 7 Network, including The Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown, and The Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. Welcome back to this week's episode of the State of Recruiting, your weekly Horns 24-7 Recruiting Podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined as always by Hudson Sandish, and it is an insane week for us uh, here on the show. It is state championship week. It it is kind of the last push week until the early signing period. Um, It's just been a really weird week in general with uh, a lot of the news out there. Before we jump into all that, Hudson, how's it going?
1: Doing good. I'm happy to be back on the State of Recruiting. I hate it when we have to take weeks off. Obviously, last week and I think the week before, just familial stuff, um, recording schedules not being aligned. But regardless, I'm just happy to be doing the podcast again.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, I mentioned it was kind of a crazy week to start. Uh, The Chris Beard news, obviously shocking enough, but um, the Mike Leach stuff, uh, which is kind of – You know his uh, death being reported today as we're recording this uh, is is just kind of weird. I I told Hudson like aside from him being such an important figure in college football, it's just I can't remember like when a sitting head coach has passed away. Um, It's just a very weird situation, especially a figure like Mike Leach who is larger than life. So uh, you know, shout out Mike Leach and. Uh, obviously hope his family is doing well during this time
1: left an incredibly lasting legacy I mean not only in just kind of the way he carried himself with his like quirky demeanor and everything but also just like pure football the offensive imprint that he left on the game I mean his coaching tree in modern football is probably one of the more um, I don't know I guess I just influential and everlasting and i don't know i i'm pretty devastated about the news and then just since you touched on the chris beard thing it's just absolutely disgusting and was just a tough way to start the week i mean goodness gracious
0: yeah i'm sure that'll get covered more by the the folks that cover basketball for our site uh but it's uh you know obviously the legal process has to pay play out but if if everything Kind of comes out, as it was spelled out in the police report, uh, a pretty disgusting act and pretty inexcusable. And uh, I I think there's kind of only one decision there for Crystal Conte. So, yeah, we'll we'll kind of see how it plays out. Let's jump into the recruiting. It was also a crazy weekend as uh, as it tends to be when it gets close to the early signing period or signing day. Surprise visitors pop up and they're good when they pop up for your school. But when your commits are surprised visiting other schools uh, that can always create some last-minute intrigue. Over the weekend, uh, a trio of Texas commits visited Houston, uh, Samaji Burrell, Dylan Spencer, and Ryan Niblett. Uh, we had heard some different things on each guy, um, and Texas was, I think, able to work something out with Niblet to kind of keep him in the fold after a 24-hour period where there were a lot of people close to Niblet who thought that the flip might be coming.
1: Another thing too Mike it's always breaking news is awesome it's a cool part of the job obviously it's not everything for us we want to make sure it's right before putting it out but it's even worse when you have to break news about you know negative stuff regarding the um you know class or whatever it be so when we broke the Dylan Spencer at Houston uh news i think there was some understanding from the board right because we kind of fed some breadcrumbs that Spencer after the TCU game might not have been as happy with his Texas uh, pledge. But then when we posted the Ryan Niblett thing late that Saturday night, or maybe even technically Sunday morning, it was just even worse. So getting the quick clarification from sources that, um, you know, I guess it's not even a clarification. I just more update that Niblett is going to be solid with Texas was just really, really good, good on the ears. Considering, you know, that would have been a pretty dark uh, way for this thing to go. Like, yeah,
0: I mean, I, we've talked yeah, a lot about Ryan Niblett. Yeah,
1: he's a top seventy-five recruit. Like, you, you know, not a ton of those.
0: How much we love his speed and and just game-changing ability. He can score from anywhere. Um, and and that would have been a tough pill to swallow, especially given being Houston, who you know, kind of jumped in and got Matthew Golden last year when Texas was battling TCU for him, who flipped Jonah Wilson earlier in the year if they would have been able to get a guy like Niblett. Uh, that would have been a tough pill to swallow, I, I definitely think. But it sounds like, uh, you know, cooler heads prevailed. The staff was able to talk to his family, and they were able to kind of calm things down. We'll see. I don't think there was much worry with Samaje Burrell. I think he was taking a trip just to take a trip, Dylan Spencer is the one I'm still watching, and I, I still think that that one could go uh, the other way uh, w- once it's all said and done.
1: But with Samaje too, it's one of those things where you know you you hear enough noise to where similar to Spencer, like it stays on your radar at least. Like it goes from a recruit that yeah expected to sign during the early signing period to just a little bit of doubt so it'll be fun to follow over the next week or so with him especially with uh Ron Roberts taking the Auburn DC job I know Samaj really likes uh Auburn and Roberts was kind of his primary contact at Baylor as they kind of were surging to potentially get him on a visit so that'll be interesting to uh track as well
0: Texas will have its own share of weekend visitors uh, this weekend and uh, a couple of official visitors in Jelani McDonald and uh, Tyler Scott, the defensive back from uh, the state of Georgia who are coming in. But also, you know, it's kind of, I think I'm trying to remember, I don't think Herman did it. I think it was a Sark thing and they, they kind of started it last year in the first year of bringing in all the committed guys on kind of the last weekend before uh the early signing period now they obviously won't be able to get them all in because you know those visits will start saturday uh jonte cook and trey weiser will be playing for state championships uh not sure if the sock guys are going to make it down after playing for a state championship friday night uh, but they are going to get a majority of the guys down including a big name that steve Wiltfong just reported on our board and cedric baxter who will be coming in uh, from orlando and i think the purpose of this trip is to get the guys together um, I, I know that they do some paperwork stuff and, and just kind of get some things in order, uh, for signing and, uh, the guys who are early enrolling, but also just to kind of celebrate their class, get them all together one last time. And if you've got some official visitors on campus, it always helps to have those guys with them.
1: Absolutely. Mike, uh, totally with you. And I guess too, just, we didn't talk about this on the rundown, but, uh, pre-show, but speaking of visitors to campus, um, Quick update, Justin Denton's official uh, visit, I was told, went pretty well. Any sort of a timeline regarding a potential flip from West Virginia, I was told that if he does end up deciding to do the flip, that signing day would be uh, expected uh, during the early signing period. Something to monitor there as well as, you know, Texas kind of late attacking the Peach State. And it's really intriguing and hopefully – You know, Texas can lay the groundworks in the state of Georgia to where a potential commitment or just staying in the recruitment of stud 2026 QB Julian Lewis will happen. Because I don't know if you saw Mike, but he put up uh, 531 passing yards and five touchdowns in the Georgia 7A state title game. So uh, set a couple records as a freshman at Carrollton High School and leading the Trojans back to a 7A state uh, championship appearance, which... Is pretty funny because obviously he's a freshman QB, and we've talked about him, me especially, quite enough. But when you're putting up that type of uh, production, like good, I mean, what can you really say?
0: Yeah, that seems pretty good, Uh, pretty good numbers. Um, Another guy that I think we're going to be watching for this weekend is Anthony Hill. Uh, Texas has a big in home with him on Thursday of this week. Uh, They've got uh, plans to try to get him on campus and. From what I'm told, you know, they expect him to be on campus, but uh, I haven't confirmed anything on his end yet. He will uh, make his his college decision uh, on the early signing day, on Wednesday of next week at 11 a.m. And, you know, I think Texas really has a shot to kind of close the door in that recruitment and nail down a, a pretty big commitment.
1: Absolutely. I th- think it would be the biggest defensive commitment of the Steve Sarkeesian era.
0: Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's uh, it's getting Anthony Hill. It is the impact of a Cedric Baxter or an Arch Manning or somebody like that. It's just on the defensive side of the ball, so uh, especially in a place where they need it. So that'll be uh, a fun one to follow as well. Uh, the the transfer portal hasn't it been it, it's been popping a little bit for Texas. I mean they've been really patient. They actually got uh, just before we went on the air to record they got a transfer portal commitment. Uh, from Ryan Sanborn, the Stanford transfer punter who's got one year of eligibility left. When we did our transfer uh, preview, we kind of mentioned that, hey, they probably need to look at a punter in the portal. This makes a lot of sense from a guy who's got a Stanford degree looking for you know a graduate degree at a place like Texas. It could come in and, and contribute right away. I don't – I'm not going to sit here and pretend to break down his game. Uh, you know, I he, he punts it really far, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I – I used to have to side note when I was the number two guy here, like if they would get a kicker commit, I think I wrote a breakdown for Cameron Dicker's commitment. And I was just like, I don't know, man, like he, he seems to have a good leg. He's pretty accurate. I'm not the guy to look for when it comes to analysis of specialists.
1: It's like um, goalkeepers in soccer. It's, it's kind of their own ecosystem and their own evaluation. like, you know, I, I one thing I will say that I noticed on Sandborn that I like, I believe 64 uh, punts inside the 20 over his uh, collegiate career to only seven touchbacks, which just seems like a pretty, pretty encouraging sign with field uh, position, no touchbacks as a senior. And he was punting quite a bit for Stanford this past year.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point that uh, he got a lot of work in. Uh, during that time. Uh, elsewhere in the portal, you know, it's just kind of like we said, they've been really patient. I think that they're waiting to see what they get in this class because the the thing is, you know, I think Texas still prioritizes recruiting over uh, the portal at a lot of places. And so we saw it last year. They had some offensive linemen in the portal lined up to come in that last weekend. But when they started to get wind that they were probably going to get uh kelvin banks and and nato amezulu and cam williams it was like okay well why are we going to go to the portal when we're going to bring in this freshman class and i think that that's kind of the case this year i think especially when you look at linebacker it's like okay if we can get anthony hill why would we pursue a portal linebacker right
1: exactly now? and so, um you know with if jalen ford potentially returns too which again the Even though it seems that there are quite a few NFL teams that really like Jalen Ford, um, like the sourcing that I've heard slash you've heard has been that he's kind of leaning to return. Um, So, you know, like if they can think about Hill and Ford and – you know, depending on what you get from Darian Gallette as a true freshman off of an injury, maybe even Leona Lafau, who we know the coaching staff likes, then yeah, you kind of don't need to maybe take two maybe you just take one guy that um has a ton of experience because obviously one thing that we didn't mention in our horns 24 7 uh transfer portal central article is that texas likes to rotate linebackers quite a bit right that's why you saw jed bush uh get quite a few snaps this year they they like having guys at three and four that can come on the field um during i think every third or fourth drive so that's something to monitor as well but also mike just one quick tangent, I just like the fact that this staff will trust younger players. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like a lot of other Texas staffs or just college football coaching staffs across the nation wouldn't have been as just decisive with playing Kelvin Banks at left tackle or Cole Hudson or even just getting Savion Red and Brennan Thompson onto the field in important snaps. Like, there were a lot of uh, true freshmen that really contributed at Texas, and I think that that's maybe a theme for this upcoming year as well. Like it's the, some people on the board were a bit confused about Junior angle out portaling. but i I don't think that he really would have had a spot in the starting lineup if he would have returned. Like they're really excited about Devon Campbell. So I don't know, that's just something to kind of dovetail off your point that I, I really like about this Texas staff,
0: yeah, and if we talk we talk about all the time, the recruiting class models the draft, the portal models free agency. and any, Sport, you want to build the core of your roster through the draft, through your own evaluations and your own development, and you want to supplement pieces. So I think that's a big reason why they've been slow to act in the portal is let's see what we get down the stretch here and then let's see what we need coming out of that. And there's always going to be guys in the portal. You know, I think we tend to think a lot about the frontline guys, right, like the Jojo Earl or like the names we know. You know JoJo Earl Dominic Love it, but there's there's nobody knew who Isaiah Naor was at this time last year, and I think those guys are going to be there,
1: absolutely. And I think a perfect example of that was a lot of Texas fans, uh, kind of begging the staff to offer Justin Flow from Oregon, who was the number one linebacker in the country, I believe, during his recruiting cycle, but really didn't do much at Oregon and had trouble staying on the field. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. It's It's a lot uh, with the portal and, you know, kind of with the free agency comp uh, comparison in general. You're right. It's more about production than it is with your recruiting class, how it's kind of projecting towards the draft and wanting these high caliber athletes like Texas would never recruit Diamante Tucker Dorsey out of high school. Like it just wouldn't happen. But in the portal, getting a potential guy that you just know is going to be in the right spots is kind of worth its weight in gold.
0: Think about it from a perspective of following your NFL team, right? I mean, how many times do we see X player signs with this team? And it's like, he didn't really do much at his uh, previous stop, but he was a top five pick. And so people are like, well, he was a top five pick. That's kind of the same thing with the Justin Flo. It's like, well, he was a five-star. He was the number one linebacker in the country at the time. But yeah, you're right in that uh, once those guys are in college, they look a ton more at the production. I think, we kind of saw that with Texas early on when they added a guy like Ben Davis, who had such impressive, like, high school recruiting uh, stats, but when you looked at him from a college perspective, had not done much.
1: Exactly, it's a great point, Mike. And you know, I don't know. It's you'd rather have Mike White on your team than Sam Darnold if we're continuing with NFL comps.
0: So. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Anything else you want to get to before we uh, go to our picks?
1: Just real quick, since I bet people are, you know, uh, following the coverage as it happens uh, later today. But uh, Arch Manning, um, Cedric Baxter, uh, five stars, uh, really well deserved for Cedric.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And our new rankings process is being updated at 24 7. From now on, the initiative is going to be. to start with 32 five-stars in a class, which is something we've never done. We've traditionally added five-stars throughout the process, kind of filling in the back half or back two-thirds through a senior season to kind of make sure we have the right guys. Now, um, our management is putting the impetus on our scouting team to start with those 32 five-stars and then make the movements from there. It's a tough challenge. I think that it presents some you know some opportunities for us to to have some swings and misses, but I think that there's a big belief in our scouting team and and the way we do our rankings process that we can handle it. And when you look at kind of the moves we've made internally, um, promoting Andrew Ivans, who is a, a friend of friend of ours, and. I think one of the hardest working guys at our company and one of the best eyes at our company to be our director of scouting and kind of oversee a team that includes Gabe Brooks and Cooper Batagna and Chris Singletary and separate that from the recruiting team, uh, guys nationally that gather a ton of scoop. I think it sets us up for success moving forward.
1: Absolutely. And I'll also just, I guess, last thing before we move on to state title picks, I think with the expand the expansion of video content too and with ivan's moving into this role i think it's going to offer a lot more transparency to um the entire rankings process i mean a lot of board members and just people that i see comment just don't have the greatest idea of um how the rankings process exactly works and i think that this move is going to kind of help that as well I plug it all the time, but their podcast, Oyster Boys Radio, and also the 24-7 college football show, like there's just so many outlets where you can get really like in-depth uh, you know, recruiting nerdery, I guess is the best way to put it and evaluation nerdery, which I think that just, you know, more people should take advantage of.
0: Yeah, and acknowledging that nobody's ever gonna be hundred percent happy with the rankings and that we're never going to hundred percent nail a ranking because it is so difficult. I do want to say that these guys work extremely hard. They they turn over every rock. We get to see a lot of the sausage get made on that side. We we're involved in a lot of the discussions, especially when it comes to guys we're familiar with in Texas. When they ask for our feedback on things, it's important for them to get it right. They don't. There's no uh, you know the these team biases that people think. It's like those guys are sweating out draft night. Being like, yeah. man, I hope this guy that we ranked as a back end five star slips into the first round or else we're gonna be wrong. I asked the question about a guy like Bijan Robinson, who was ranked in the back half of the five stars earlier this week. Hey, if Bijan Robinson somehow falls to 36 or 38, do you could you could given everything he's done at the college level, do you consider that a loss? And while I don't think it's a loss for them. They absolutely were like, "Yeah, I mean, we yeah. we would have missed on it." So, uh, there's a lot of work that goes into it. I'm ex- uh, we won't de- delve too much deeper into that, but I'm excited for the process. I'm excited for uh, some of the changes going on on that national team. I think that we're we're getting the right guys in place to do it. Um,
1: absolutely, uh, uh, Mike. Can I actually say something real quick?
0: Sure. Let's take it to, our, to a
1: break and hear from those sponsors that we've missed for two weeks. Oh, baby.
0: All right. And we are back. We appreciate our sponsors. We know they missed us. Um, <laughs> we bring in now Guy Frazier, who wasn't on the last show. Uh, and this is coming off the heels of, if you recall, Guy tried to screw me on the records last week, and then he wanted to yep. rub the records in my face yep. uh, this week. Not last week, last time we recorded. Uh, yeah, Guy's given us an inquisitive look. Guy, I had to go calculate the records on uh, on the sheet, and you had shorted me like three games. I was all of a sudden like seven games back. And, uh, and we had to go count through. Or maybe
2: I just forgot to do your record. You a likely story,
0: likely story. How's it going guy on Christmas break from school? How did, uh, how the first semester wrap up for you?
2: Oh, uh, well, final grades were supposed to be in on Sunday evening and yet I'm still waiting for some grades to come in. So, uh, I, I guess fine. Um, my 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 you know side of the deal's done. I've gotten all my stuff done, so just waiting for final grades and seeing where we go from here,
0: all right, well, boys, it is state week. It's the week we've been ready for all year, kind of bittersweet. It's the end of the high school football season. I know that that Saturday night when you're walking out of a t and t it's it's almost you know sad. Um, when I, I, always, every time I get to my car, I turn around and give one look back to the stadium and just a single tear rolls down my cheek and <laughs> as I prepare for the cold long off season. Um, but let's not talk about that. Let's celebrate the week that is, uh, our favorite week of the year. Uh, it's going to be four action packed days at at and stadium. I got to thinking about this last week. We, we get wrapped up so much internally when we're just talking amongst ourselves about this matchup or that matchup, or I hope that team makes it the state, or I hope this team makes it the state for that. And like the games are always fun, regardless of who makes it. I don't know why we get wrapped up in it. I, I know for content purposes, like there are certain teams we, like Hudson and I want to see there uh, because it helps our content. But in the end, you know, I mean, this is
2: uh, how much fun is this? Look, Christmas is Christmas. Like it's good regardless. Like Mike, you and I were talking about this on Sunday when I just was, you know, doing some huddle grinding for once and ever so often. And uh, you know, I just made the comment like, you know, I'm really excited for this week after it's kind of been a weird, not ho hum season, but just kind of lukewarm, mild in some some cases. Um, Playoffs have been weird, lack of double and triple headers, but. This week, regardless of who the, who's there, the matchups. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and you were you were very much in agreement on that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I, it, we got some new blood. That's always that's always good. Uh, we've got some f- familiar old matchups at state, um, but I, I think it's a good mix. And for Texas fans, uh, th- there's going to be five commits playing this week, and I I think I crushed all the numbers and without. They certainly lead all these schools in the region uh, with most commits playing this week. Now, is there a possibility that I'm missing out on like some NAI schools or some other schools that have like more commits? I don't know, maybe because I didn't have that much time. But I think Texas has the most commits of anybody playing this week. Um, Let's get to the slate. We're going to pick them all, even the six man games. Uh, I guess let's let's go ahead there. Let's start
2: it Mm -hmm. off, guy. Yeah, so kind of recapping, state semifinal week was a bloodbath for all of us. Um, mm. Let's see, Hudson went two and three. He survived the the storm the best. Mike went zero and five, and I was one and four. So at this point, go ahead, Hudson. I've
1: I've got to say something too. I convinced Mike to take Timpson over Refurio. The only game that guy got right, and I feel I do feel bad for. Um, for he's his own well. man. But I will say too, I also did say, Mike, just like, hey, just roll with my picks. I'm feeling decent. I, I I do wish that I would have just stuck with my gut on Alito. As I'm shocked, guy, I told Mike this. Why didn't you pick Alito over Longview? They're your state title pick. You were kind of on that bandwagon all year. I was pretty shocked when obviously we just texted
2: our picks, but um I don't know. I think it's some of it was having the seen strategy? Alito the week before. Uh, okay. uh, no, I just seen Alito the week before. Um, they're just really small. <laughs> I mean, they're not very big up front. They're scrappy, and you know, I've kind of picked on Longview for probably not being as potent and as big up front as people like to say they were. Um, so maybe the joke's on me, but. Uh you know, Alito was impressive in their win over Burleson Centennial, but they also showed some flaws, and I was just like, mm, I'm feeling frisky, I'll go with Longview. And it, it, it bit me in the butt. So
0: really weird uh, game, by the way. Uh went into lightning yeah. delay with like forty eight seconds minute, left yeah. or something on the clock, and Longview facing a second and six. And I think the lightning delay was like three hours or something before they mm-hmm. were able to get back on the field.
2: Yeah, just I'll be honest play like three or four more plays and the inevitable happens when that when
1: that lightning delay happened i'm pretty stunned that longview didn't come back and win the game you essentially have hours to just script your next five plays like obviously one of the faults we talk about with longview all the time is that their offense is just kind of archaic even though they have studs and jalen hale and taylor tatum but like you're in a hurry up situation you have the time to prepare for what plays you have it was just a weird game but obviously let's get into the slate i'm just dying to talk about benjamin versus lorraine
2: yeah so to recap all that uh the records heading in the state week um are 51 and a half and 27 for hudson and i i know what a crazy record uh and then mike at 48 and 30 just a couple of games behind this so definitely still an opportunity for mike to catch up 12 games this week. We'll t- take it to a l- 11 a.m. Wednesday at AT&T Stadium. Got the 1A Division II game. The Benjamin Mustangs, who are 13-0, taking on the Lorraine Bulldogs, who are 13-1. According to the DCTF computer, uh, Benjamin in- enters this game as a nine-point favorite. Uh, main note for this game is that we've got kind of two um, one-and-onlys for the week in that it's the I think the only game where we've got two first-time participants playing in a game together, um, and then it's also the lone rematch from the season as Benjamin won in Lorraine on the road back in week six in a non-district game, 61-30. to So the wheel's spoken. Hudson will go first. I'll go second, and Mike will go third in the trail.
1: It'll be Benjamin for Hudson.
2: Yeah, we'll do lightning round on these. Uh, I'll keep it short. Benjamin's the favorite by DCTF's computer. They won big earlier this season. Give me the Mustangs. Um, Hudson asked me pre-show. Am I going to go for it, or am
0: I going to uh, just make my picks? And I think, uh, I think you either lose big, lose small. You still lose. Even though this uh, this pick'em is being played under heavy protest, uh, I think I'm going to go for it. Give me uh, Lorraine.
2: Okay. All right, the one. 2 p.m. game this week, as uh, Six Man has a little bit of a different schedule. So 2 p.m. Wednesday afternoon at AT&T Stadium. We've got the 1A Division I game between the Westbrook Wildcats, located out there off of I-20 out by Big Spring, who are 13-1. and We'll take on the Abbott Panthers of Hill County, who are 14-0. and According to DCTF Computer, uh, Westbrook enters this game as a five-point favorite. So the preseason, number one, the number two teams. Uh, Westbrook entered the year as the number one team. Abbott was number two. Uh, The final AP poll that DCTF puts out there actually had the inverse of that uh, by the end of the regular season. So that's one thing of note. And I'm also going to scratch Mike's memory here. When Mike and I were in the car heading to Houston last year for a playoff game, you had to call in with uh, Craig Way, and we were driving through Abbott one when – when that happened. I don't know if you recall that. Right? I when do. He drove by the the sign uh for the twenty fifteen state championship for Abbott. So we got Craig to kinda of go down his uh rabbit hole of high school football information and give us his thoughts on Abbott. I recall because... twenty fifteen game.
0: Craig asked on the show, where are you right now? And I said, I'm on this road, whatever it is. And he said, oh, if you take that road and you go down and and you take a left, you'll run into this place that I once called a game. So uh, the human maps go Craig way. Uh, Definitely. Yes, I, I definitely remember that.
2: So Abbott's back after the 2015 state trip. The wheel's spoken. Hudson will go first. Mike will go second. And I'm in the trail this time.
1: Uh, actually, a, a teeny bit of analysis here, um, Cedric Ware for um, for Westbrook is really good. I hate picking against the best player on the field, but from what I've read, it seems like Abbott's the better team, so I'll take the Panthers, too.
0: Um, I am stuck on a pick here for one reason and one reason only. Abbott is the hometown of Willie Nelson. Uh, give me the Panthers.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to have a sweep against the DCTF computer here. Uh, Give me Abbott just on the uh, note that Mike and I drove through Abbott this time last year and have a good little story behind it. All right, onward to Wednesday night, 7 p.m. after the football field Zamboni cleans off the six-man stripes, which is always kind of a fun process. Got the 2A Division II game as the Albany Lions, who are 13-2, take on the Mart panthers who are 15 and 0 the DCTF computer has the two way powerhouse of mart as a 7 point favorite entering this game uh thing of note here is we've got Kevin Hoffman who is well known for his uh skins on the wall at mart who actually retired for a brief stint during the offseason only to come back as he takes on another really well known coach and Denny Faith who is in his 36th season at Abbott and he's yet to yet to win the state championship. Uh, the last time the Lions were in Arlington was in 2014 and 2015. And they walked away empty handed. So uh, this is a big game for Coach Faith. Um, the wheel's spoken. Hudson will go first. Mike will go second. And once again, I'm in the trail.
1: Yeah, I hate that I had to open up three three to start. So thanks, Wheel, for that. But at least for this one, it's. To me, an easier selection. A ton of respect for Coach uh, Denny Faith uh, and Albany. It would be awesome if he was able to finally get a state title, but I don't know. I'm not picking against Mart at State, even though uh, the Winthorst Trojans uh, were able to beat them, I believe, in their last appearance at at t
0: yeah, I um, I can't believe this game's. uh oh, it's minus seven. I'm sorry. I was looking at the next one to pick. I thought this one was a pick. I couldn't believe it. Uh, incredible logo game, might I add. Just mm-hmm. both logos of these teams are incredible. I love the Albany logo. Um, I It's tough to pick against Mart. They're kind of a rolling ball of death, and so, uh, yeah, I'll go with them.
2: Yeah, I'll keep it short. Uh, I'm going to go with Mart as well. Um, This is old hat for them. For Albany, obviously, they've been on this stage before, but none of these kids have. It's been a while. Uh, A couple names of of note for Mart. Um, The Medlocks are back again. It seems like there's always a Medlock family member on the Mart Panther team. We've got actually two more this time around. Uh, The one of note is the 2025 athlete in Demontrell Medlock, who I think you all actually – Wrote about in y'all's little 24-7 post about this game. And then there's actually a trench warfare kid that we've seen at camp a couple of times. Uh, His name is escaping me. Monte Swanner. Undersized kid, but gritty as can be and always actually does pretty good at camp uh, when he does come in the offseason for for Owen Tuck. So another kid to keep an eye on. But give me the Panthers. I think the DCTF computer's a little rich here. I think the Panthers actually may roll, uh, but... Hoping for a good game, nonetheless. All right, onward to day two of state. Thursday, uh, eleven a.m. AT&T Stadium. We've got the two A Division one game as the Holly Bearcats, who are fifteen and zero, take on the Refurio Bobcats. I guess. Guess. Bobcats. Yeah, uh, who are fourteen one as well. According to the UCTF computer, this is too close to call. It's a pick'em game. Um, so this is the revenge tour of Holly who ran up against a brick wall last year and, and fell short as they take on this year, the coastal coastal bend boogeyman. That is refurio who took a year off from state, but is back. So uh, the wheels spoken, I'll go first. Mike will go second. Um, and I'll go third. I'll let y'all break down the recruiting angle of this. Cause there's a couple of recruits in this game, uh, but I'll, I'll keep it short. Uh, I always like refurio when, when they're on this stage um they've done me well the last couple of weeks in pick them I think I'm two and 0 with them in the playoffs uh so I'll stick with them again give me the orange and black
0: I think I'm 0-2 with them and uh have wanted wanted to pick them last week but just was trying to make some moves and uh didn't work out that's what I get for putting my confidence in Dalton Brooks right um I will I yeah, guy mentioned the recruiting aspect uh refurio does have a couple of guys including ernest campbell who is i think pound for pound one of the most exciting playmakers we'll see this week he is a two-time uh to a state 100 meter champion we uh, hudson and i saw him at the state track meet he was electric uh he's tiny but he can absolutely go and he's not just a straight line downfield threat he's he's a guy that uh, can do a lot if you get in the ball in space. I like Refurio in this one as well. I think the speed just is going to be too much for Holly.
1: I, I really like what you said there too, Mike, of like, he is obviously straight line fast, but that's not all he has in his bag as a prospect. Was really impressive and kind of creating something out of nothing multiple times for Refurio last week against Tempson. I thought really – um Really was impressive against uh, another top 24 7 guy in Terry Bussey. So just nothing but respect for Ernest Campbell. And even though Holly has some, you know, Division I prospects of their own, like Holly is not going to show up here like a lot of other West Texas teams or, you know, panhandle teams and just look out athlete and just kind of it feels like oh yeah the state semi-final game was really a state title game i think that the Pickham uh line from dctf is actually correct i could go either way here but more than anything it's just you trust the name brand of Furio to get it done so that's the only reason why i'm making the pick but i would not be surprised at all if holly actually really stunned some people and won this game by like double digits
2: yeah, I think Hudson brings up a really good point there. Typically when it when a team with a lot of team speed like Refur- Refurio goes up against a West Texas program, it's typically not a good thing, but Holly's one of the rare cases where they have some speed and athleticism to match that. So really fun. You know game. what
1: you know what this game kind of reminds me of? Um, stylistically, I don't think it it's a one for one comparison. But it kind of reminds me of the Shiner-Post matchup. And obviously with Post losing their quarterback on the second series, it just didn't help. But, like, Holly is similar to that Post team for me where they have multiple Division One guys. They don't look physically overmatched against uh, what All seems right. to be the superior squad.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't think they'll look physically overmatched. I think the speed's just going to be too much for them. Sure, and uh, shout out shout outs to my boy Isaiah Bland, 5'3", running back for Refurio. He's just a dynamo. Uh, perfect comp is Shatidrick Bailey from Martin A couple of years ago, class of twenty nineteen. Just they play bigger than their size, a lot of heart. So, shouts to those guys. He's a man. Uh, of the onward, huh? He's a man of the people. He's a man of the people. That's that's damn right. All right, onward. Uh, to our next game on Thursday, three p.m. in the afternoon at AT&T Stadium. Got a really fun game here. Uh, We've got the Gunner Tigers, who are 14-0, absolute wagon in 3A. Taking on the Poth Pirates, who are 14-1. According to the DCTF computer, Gunner enters this game as a 14-point favorite. So I've got the far north Texas 3A wagon taking on the big bodies of Poth. Wheels spoken. Mike will go first. Hudson second. And I'm once again in the trail. I'm
0: delighted because this is a game where,
2: you know, the people of
0: there's so many, like, little towns, and is one of them, where it's like people don't know how to pronounce the, the, the names. And uh, so there will be arguments over, is it Gunter or Gunner? It's Gunner. If you talk to the people there, it's Gunner. Um, and I love that part about it. I think that uh, they're so fun to watch because of their offense. They run that, like, kind of spread pistol uh the
2: pistol flex bone flex bone yeah it's
0: it's you know know, it's uh, for the people with athletes with a ton of athletes for people who bemoan the dinosaur offenses we so often see at state i think that this is a dinosaur offense that's kind of disguised as uh something really fun so uh i they've got some some guys to look at go ahead Hudson.
1: Uh, it's it's the like Jurassic world modern dinosaur. Like it's the dinosaur that you bring back with like, <laughs> why'd you put crocodile DNA in this? Like, wh- what?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's high octane. Um, they've got some, some guys to keep an eye on Ethan Sloan. Uh, is kind of the engine for them. Cannon Lemberg, one of the uh, receivers and DBs, is another fun player. But the guy that their staff is most excited about is a 2025 defensive back named Colin Peacock, who's six six one or so, uh, runs on their track team as well. So uh, I think that they're going to have the prospect edge. I think that they're going to have the team edge. I'll go with Cutter.
1: I love Poth as a program. Like, genuinely – um, really have always rooted for them. I'm super happy that they get to be at state. Maybe I have the read completely wrong on this game, but Poth used to be a lot more of a kind of air-raidy team that would kind of throw the ball all over the place. Guy kind of mentioned it with the big bodies. They're not really built uh, with that as their strength, so they're running the ball a little bit more. Oddly enough, like Gunner is – kind of more like two-dimensional on offense than Poth this year, which is hysterical considering traditionally what these programs have been. Like Gunner's throwing the ball around a little bit more this year. They're mashing people up front as always. I had Canadian over them since the start of the year, so I just kind of rolled with it. But they were really impressive against Canadian last week. And I don't know. I just trust Coach Faisal in that staff to get it done again I think the line's probably correct out of any game other than maybe one of the six a matchups that we'll talk about I think this is the biggest chance for a blowout
2: yeah I, I think with with Gunner they've got the bodies and the athletes now where they can throw a little more play action into that that pistol flex bone offense that they do and and utilize some of those guys that have a lot of speed Seems like Ethan Sloan's been there for years now, which I think he's been a four-year starter. Um, And then I'm glad Mike mentioned Cannon and and, uh, and then is it Colin Peacock, Mike? Yes. Yeah. Well, it seems like I get tagged in their stuff once every two weeks or so. But, um, yeah, no, give me Gunner. Um, I think this post team is interesting. You know, they're going to play really good defense and and run the ball stoutly. They've done that all year, but – I think in the end, they'll take the athletes in this case. And and you know what? gunner has been a wagon all year. I know they got by Canadian by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin chin a week ago, but that's a really good Canadian program. Uh, oh, yeah. I think the Tigers take care of business this week. So, um, Which, keep in mind, they fell short last year against Franklin, so this is a little bit of a revenge for them. Okay. Yeah, and
0: I've got um, their recruiting coordinator – is Eric Chavez, who used to be yes. at Denison, uh, a friend of mine. And uh, former North from Texas, great, right, friend of the show. Um, and so, yeah, a big fan of – he does a lot to get those kids recruited. And it's not – you know, for a program like Gunner that um, they, they are on the, the state stage so much, they still don't get a ton of looks from recruiting. Um, and so I think that uh, he does a ton to get those kids recruited. So happy for him.
2: He, he did a great job at Denison and doing a great job there now at Gunner. Um, okay, speaking of Franklin, our next game here, we've got the third or the yeah Thursday night slate game, uh, seven p.m. at and Stadium. We've got the Barack Eagles who are eleven and four taking on the Wagon. That is the Franklin Lions, who are fifteen and zero. Uh, according to DCTF computer, Franklin enters this game as a one point favorite. Curious to get y'all's thoughts on that. Uh, can Brock get over the AT&T hump? Uh, their Lone State Championship was at uh, NRG in Houston, and they've gone over. I think they're over for 3 um, at AT&T. So it's a big week for them. Wheel's spoken. Hudson will go first. Mike will go second. Once again, I'm in the trail.
1: I've got Franklin. Franklin's um, road to AT&T – I think is one of the toughest out of anybody. They went through an absolutely just brutal region three, played top 10 teams like Columbus. I, I just really like what the Lions are about. The fact that they got here as a defending state champion, too. I think Baylor commit Bryson Washington's gonna put on a show and keep an eye on 2025 running back Jaden Jackson, who was really good. Um all season, I believe a two thousand yard rusher, and is somebody just to keep an eye on as a potential breakout candidate.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with Franklin as well. I like Bryce and Washington. They were so dominant last year, and I think that they weren't as dominant this year. But like you said, the road they they had to travel was much tougher uh, this season. Um, they had some some really close calls, but I think that they're going to have the athletic matchup. They're another one that, like, yeah, they run that dinosaur offense, but when you do it with the athletes they have, it just looks more fun, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. I'm, kind of like I'm, Pleasant Grove. Yeah, in in much you know, the these, same all way. All these
2: cases are. you know. Yeah,
0: so I'll, I'll roll with Franklin here.
2: Yeah, so I'll keep it short. Um, I'm going to go with Franklin. They've won 43 out of their last 46 games played. Won a state championship a year ago in 3A-D2. Really fun game while they graduate some key pieces from that team, they brought back a lot. Uh, y'all have mentioned two of the key names. I'll mention another one, Devin Hidrago, who I liked a lot last year. Uh, I saw DCTS a little write-up on him. They mentioned him a lot from his offensive perspective. I actually think he's a safety at the next level. Uh, and if I recall, I think he picked up an Iowa State offer right before this time last year. So he's a guy that has some FBS looks and FCS looks. Um And I think Franklin's just been a wagon all year. I don't think that ends now. Um, I saw Brock a week ago. You know, Brock's kind of opened things up a little bit under this new staff, but I think they are going to try to run the ball a little bit. Uh, At least they did a week ago um, with Reed Watkins. But give me the Lions. Um, I almost think that one point spreads a little bit nice. I think Franklin maybe wins this one by 14 or so. I'm with you. Uh, But that'll do it for that one for me. Okay, Friday, day three, 11 a.m. game. A big one for Gabriel Brooks. Got the 4A D2 game. The Carthage Bulldogs are 15-0. Take on the Wimberley Texans, who are 15-0. Carthage enters this game as a 10-point favorite. So we've got a couple of familiar names and programs that return to Jerry World this year. You know, Carthage takes a rare year off in 2021 after winning state in 2020 during the pandemic year. Um, While Wembley returns after falling short to our show favorite, the Pleasant Grove Hawks in 2019, Uh, the wheels spoke and Hudson will go first. I will go second and Mike will go third.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I have a strong feeling we're all going to pick Carthage and who would blame us, right? Because Scott Surratt to me is the greatest Texas high school football coach of all time. Eight state titles at Carthage genuinely I think a guy that you could plug into a lot of college jobs and would just be fine so obviously with respect to Doug Warren and Wimberley who I think is an awesome program I think Scott Surratt would have the edge on just about every single coach in the state so that's why I'm going to pick Carthage but one thing I think that should be mentioned is that it's kind of a tale of two different teams as far as the state semifinal round goes Wimberley gets the upset win over Quero and kind of put it on him um, towards the end of that game. Really impressive with the sophomore quarterback. And then Carthage needed a lot late to get over Glen Rose in a 42 to 35 win that I think everybody was kind of taken aback by. I don't think that Carthage will kind of sleepwalk through another game, especially that considering it's the state championship. Um, So I've got the Bulldogs, but I, just one reason, I guess, why I'm not totally circling this as a complete and utter blowout.
2: Yeah, so I'm on the sideline at the sock game last week, and there's all of a sudden scuttlebutt that Carthage is in a little bit of trouble. I didn't have the exact score at the time, but it sounded like they were a little bit in jeopardy, and then hearing some stuff on Saturday on the sideline at the, the Soto Guyer game sounded like there was some legitimacy to that. Nonetheless, they survive, and Carthage is back at Jerry World, so... Um, I don't know anything about this Wimberley team other than I was kind of shocked by the result against Cuero a week ago. Um, both these teams put up a lot of points. They both played really good defense, and they've got about the same type of um, resume to get here. <laughs> the difference maker is I really like Carthage when they are at Jerry World. Here they are again. Give me Scott, Scott Surratt and the Bulldogs. Um, and I guess the one guy I'm really looking forward to seeing is Montrell Hatton. Another guy that seems like he's been on the big stage for a long time now. Um, and we'll get to see him one last time as his high school career concludes. So uh, give me the Bulldogs. Scott Surratt, by the way,
0: you mentioned eight state titles. Carthage has nine title game appearances. Their lone loss was when Scott Surratt was not uh, the head coach. I believe it was in the early 90s at some point in time. Um he just doesn't lose at AT&T stadium, man. <laughs> um, like it's, it's incredible. And most of the time it's a, it's kind of a bloodbath when they do win. Um, they're just so well coached. I, I they haven't been, they, uh, you mentioned the issue that they had with Glen Rose, which I think that was a pretty good Glen Rose team um, based on a lot of people I talked to who had seen them in the weeks coming out, including some coaches, but You know, Carthage is prone, We we talk about it every year. They kind of – they'll mix in a sneaker on you in the playoffs and just have a a really off game. And I think they had, you know, three or four turnovers in the second half to keep that game where it was. Uh, You mentioned Montrell Hatton. Kedrick Harper is another guy. I think Keystone Allison, the offensive lineman, is a guy to watch. There are two running backs, uh, Lorandy and Dowden and K.J. Edwards. Edwards, a 26 running back I'm interested uh, in seeing – They've got, again, just guys all over the place, and they've got an offensive scheme that is head and shoulders, like more advanced than anything you'll see at the high school level. So give me Carthage.
2: Okay. On to uh, 3 p.m. game on Friday. We've got the 4A Division I state championship. As the defending 4A Division II champs, the Chinese Spring Cougars, who are 14-1. and Take on the Bernie Greyhounds, who are 15-0. and According to the DCTF computer, though, Bernie enters this game as a five-point favorite. So we've got the last year's 4AD2 champs looking to make it happen again, this time in 4AD1. The wheel's spoken. Mike will go first. I will go second. And Hudson will be in the trail this time.
0: All right. Um, let me see here. Sorry, I was answering a text. Um, I I've picked against China Spring a couple times in playoffs. So I don't think I could do it again. Um, I will. I'll go with China Spring in this one.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to think where I've leaned on them. I think it's been a mixed bag this year with them because we've had them in our pick, pick them several times, playoffs and regular season. Uh, but our friend Ishmael Johnson has kind of sold me on the, the Bernie vision here. Um, and, and he's told me about Braden Bays who he was really excited for the three of us to watch this week. Um, so I actually took time to go watch some of his huddle the other night and he's right. He is really intriguing. He's a big boy, um, for any level of football. Um, he's a big 2025 defensive lineman, uh, high motor and just really violent up front. Um, uh, pretty good with his hands and, Just an interesting guy to maybe look out for on Friday. Um, And then I think about what they did to Chapel Hill a week ago, which has been a team of note on this show quite a bit lately. And they just stomped them. Um, So I think I'm going to go with Bernie um, and go with the San Antonio area team over China Spring. Um, And if it bites me, it bites me. But give me Bernie.
1: Yeah, I'm also picking Bernie. You, if you beat Chapel Hill 35 to nothing, like at a certain point, you have to kind of be moved up in weight class, right? Uh, Mike, one of the more interesting prospects we saw over the summer is going to play a big role in this game in uh, Bernie 2025 offensive lineman Logan Schrom. Really talented prospect at six 6'6", uh, 260 right now with, I believe, an 83-inch wingspan just kind of fits exactly what Texas is looking at and I think is going to be a like top 100 potential prospect in the class of 25. So while we're not getting the you know stud duo of Brisbane and Ricky Stewart for Chapel Hill, we're still getting a stud 25 prospect to evaluate in this game. And when you really look at Bernie, I don't know, I'm just buying in on this team. I, obviously with China Spring, Trey Haverford and Cash McCollum, uh no jokes in their own right like plenty of talent for china spring to win this game and i think it should be one of the more interesting matchups at at and i picked china spring from the jump so i kind of hate that i'm picking against them right because you want to have some uh just consistency in your state title picks and always feels good to just you know kind of take it from uh preseason to the finale but Bernie dog-walking Chapel Hill. I mean, really just putting them in the mud kind of changed my uh, opinion on where I was going to go in this one.
2: Okay, so we've got China Spring, Bernie-Bernie. Should be an interesting game. Maybe Mike can uh, make some ground here.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Okay, 7 p.m. Friday night, we've got maybe the – the biggest game of the week, you could argue. We've got the 5A Division II state championship. As the Dallas South Oak Cliff Golden Bears, who are 12-3, and 3, take on the Port Natchez Groves Indians, who are 13-2. and 2. According to the DCTF computer, this game is a pick game, so too close to call. Um, Operation you know, 60K. Operation 60K. There's a, there's a lot of headlines surrounding this. Can, can sock repeat and kind of really cement things from a year ago. And then you're taking on a PNG program. That's one of the historical great programs in Texas. Who hasn't been on this stage since 1999? So, um, a lot to play here. A lot to play for here. Um, and what will be a huge crowd? Maybe the biggest crowd of the weekend. Wheels spoken. I'll go first. Mike will go second, and Hudson will go third. Um. <laughs> I've stuck by the Golden Bears for obvious reasons all year, uh, despite their early woes. Still said, you know, these are, you know, guys not to uh, overlook at the 5A Division two level, at least. They they have their flaws, but at the end of the day, they kind of are what they are, and they, they bully a lot of teams over the course of four quarters. So, give me Sock. Um, not a shocker there. I think I stuck with him in our playoff projections at the start of all this and said, I'm still going to pick them to win it all. So I'll do that now. Uh, but I do think this is a really fun game. Really looking forward to the atmosphere. Um, and everybody knows about the Sock guys, but there are a couple guys for P&G of note. And Hudson, I'll let you take on some of those. But uh, one of them was actually a guy we saw at the NLA camp last February in Jansen Ware, um, 2023 offensive lineman. I think he's, he plays tackle for them, but he's more of an interior guy at the next level. Yeah. Um, has a lot of G5 and FCS interests and offers. Um, he's pretty light on his feet, and he's just a mauler. I mean, his his tape is just nothing but pancaking and just, just bullying kids. So um, he's a really fun, interesting prospect in this game. And then Cole Crippen, the quarterback at PNG, and um, trying to figure out how he doesn't have anything at this point. Um, I think this is a big game for him to kind of put himself on the big scene on TV from some college coaches and at least get himself something here late in the cycle. So a uh, really fun game. Um, good offense going up against a really good defense, but I do think this game in the end is kind of a defensive slug fest. Um, so yeah, give me sock. A lot of fun here.
0: Uh, yeah. I don't think it's any surprise here. I'm going to pick sock. Um, we, we, we all went into the season kind of penciling in sock for this game. Then we kind of watch their first couple of games, and we're like, "Ooh, it's, maybe it's going to be tougher." Then, you know, they get on track. We see them early in the playoffs. They they struggle against Mansfield Summit, but kind of start rolling a little bit uh, against Lovejoy, and um, you know, we cut we we see them win some tough games. I think that there's a legit discussion for Jason Todd to be coach of the year because this team, while very talented doesn't have the same pieces as last year's title team and that's mainly a quarterback and it's handicapped a little bit of what they do on offense and yet they've still gone through a tough road uh to get here uh you know beating some some really tough teams and some close games and i you know i think that the narrative being hey they've uh you know they they pulled it out because you know in these games where they're struggling, but I think the narrative should be they they've learned how to win tough games and they've learned how to close. And a lot of that is credit to the defense. Um guy, I wasn't at the game last week. You were uh am I correct that uh Argyle was inside the 10 twice and settled for field goals on both of those times?
2: Yeah, so it was seven to nothing and um at the half. Continued to be that. And then William Little threw two picks on back-to-back drives on third down each play. Um, and it set up Argyle basically in the plus 30 both times. They got inside the 10 and had to settle for two field goals each time. Um, and one of them was on a big play uh, by our boy Davos Fruels, who had a nice pass break up on the third down, which forced them to a field goal. So that was seven to six. Sock went down and scored. And then uh, the game ended essentially basically on the fourth and long for Argyle, in which they fell short. So, yeah. uh, So,
0: that defense has been really good. That said, PNG is going to, uh, I think, give them a matchup up front, unlike they've seen from a lot of teams outside of maybe Summit or Duncanville. You know, they've got some big bodies up front. I I don't think this is the matchup they wanted. I think that they would have much rather. I'm blanking on who did PNG beat? Uh, hmm, who could it uh, have been? Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm thinking they much would have rather taken their chances for Liberty Hill again, but I'm going to go with Sock and in a home game. Although uh, Hudson could probably go into more details on this. Uh, it sounds like uh, the if one team can negate the Dallas home field advantage, it might be a Southeast Texas team.
1: Yeah, it's wild. So I as soon as PNG got up, I believe three scores against Liberty Hill, I texted um our group text of Mike, Matt Step, and Tepper, and immediately was just like, hey, this is gonna be, I, I think this is gonna be top 10 all time in attendance because Port Natchez Groves is kind of the Southeast Texas team that can really not only I guess rally the troops in their own town, but kind of get that valley-ish effect right of getting an entire region i do. i will say this i the i've heard a couple of people from niederland repping png colors and going to the game which i do think is a little bit odd
0: man i was gonna gonna ask you about this because i don't remember who it was i I think it was maybe tepper step tweeted that like They had heard from a Niederland guy who was catching a flight in for the game or something. And I was just like, that's so weird to me.
1: Yeah, and what I love though is that I that tweet I think was posted on the uh Southeast Texas Sports forum and some Nederland poster on there was like, "Man, what a weirdo." <laughs>
0: yeah, okay, good. So there's Which, like pol- policing of their own going on. Exactly,
1: exactly. So I thought that was funny, but regardless, like you're going to get a lot of people from Beaumont, Port Arthur, um, you know, other Southeast Texas towns. Like I think basically all of Orange will make the trip as well. Um, so yeah, I think there's a legitimate chance that they can get, I get 50,000 is quite a bit. Um, but they're lucky in that it is a Friday night game. So maybe some of the potential people that stay can come. I know that traffic will be a problem. Hopefully everybody gets to their seats. Um, but in general, I think that aspect of this game is why I think, and I assume y'all would. Agree to some extent. It's the most compelling matchup at State this year.
0: Yeah, I agree. And they don't need, uh, to, to be clear, they don't need to get to 60,000. They need to get to 55,000, or more yeah. precisely, 54,348 uh, to top the record.
1: And these records, too, it's either driven by a Generational type player, or just two communities that really support their kids at like a next level. And I think that the record is held by Alan Pearland, where Kyler Murray, I think his junior year, maybe.
2: Um, yeah, it was his junior year because the number yep. two was his senior year game against Cy Ranch. Exactly.
1: Um, so, I, I, you know, that element I think is cool as well. As far as the actual game goes, I think that it's really intriguing because PNG can kind of get it done however they want on offense, right? They're they're not this um, super tempo team out of the spread that's looking to just completely get into a boat race uh, with squads, but they can run the ball effectively behind their offensive line. And Cole Crippen, as Guy mentioned, really should have some interest. And I think that – Similar to the uh, Stevenville wide receiver, who I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. Coy so, Eakin. Coy Eakin broke out last year and started getting all this FBS love. I think Cole Crippen could do the same thing if he's able to hold his own against this sock secondary, which we should say I think is pound for pound and maybe even not pound for pound, but the best in the state.
2: Yeah, I just don't know how he, how he doesn't have something even from like, you know, like a, a self preferred
1: walk on a FCS something. school like
2: <laughs> like Nickel State or something. I mean, come on, exactly. you know, like, you know. not have to be like the the richest of the rich programs from a winning standpoint, but someone. Uh, yeah, I think the one thing also to keep in mind from the attendance situation is PNG Plano in 1977 is number 3 on the all-time list at yeah. 9,953. That's a long time ago, but the one thing of note from that is that's technically the number one game from a one off state championship attendance record. Right. You know, forget the double header, triple header, where you have overflow from previous games. That's just its own standalone game. I think it was played at right. Texas Stadium, where it was the only game of the day, and they packed that play. So png has been known to do that for a long time. Um, so, anyway. All our right. Game no. Onward to Saturday, or maybe. Oh, no, I haven't even yeah. made a pick yet. Oh, you have to oh,
0: okay. yeah, make your pick. Sorry, yeah. but Mike, what were you going to say? No, go ahead and make the pick. I'll say it afterwards.
1: I guess just a few last things. I'm sorry that obviously we're rambling on this one, but I just, I don't know. When we get to a compelling game, we might as well kind of talk it through. We mentioned that the PNG offensive line is fantastic. Jackson Christian, who is a sophomore, I think is going to be a stud. Um, he was really impressive to me against Liberty Hill, but I think something that I should mention. Yes, Port Nature's Groves has played Fort Bend Marshall twice. Yes, they have played Austin LBJ. They played Port Arthur Memorial. They played Beaumont United. They played West Orange Shark. Like we're talking about like they have played some serious athletes, but I, I'm almost wondering if this offensive line might be a little bit taken aback at first with how good this sock defensive front is. Because when I tell you they were just mashing Liberty Hill on every snap, it's what was happening. Like they were able to get four yards five yards, six yards, before the running back would even be contacted. And that's not going to happen in this game. I think that that could be a pretty decisive uh, point in this matchup. Also, something that works in Sox Advantage is that they've actually been here last year. I mean, P&G is going to bring a ton of people, and the atmosphere is going to be big. Ha- like, We don't have proof that the Indians are going to be able to um, – you know, match up in this level of a moment where I think Sock last year really kind of fed into the hype around the game and kind of used it to their advantage, um, especially early. But with all that being said, I'm going to go with the Indians. I'm going to go with Port Nature's Groves just to make this pick him interesting and just, you know, for the Southeast Texas
2: pick. You know, if where I, will if your I heart be this... during the game, Hudson? Just what a good game? Where will your heart be during the game?
1: My heart will be kind of with what I've told Mike of I'm just going to be happy with whoever wins. Like the Sox staff genuinely is fantastic and has been so good to us that like, you know, I would never really root against them, to be completely honest. But at the same time, seeing a Southeast Texas school get to kind of show out at a bigger level. Right. Like West Orange Stark is a known quantity. If Silsby would have made it to state, it would have been cool, right? But getting like a 5A primetime title game, it's just going to
2: be Yeah, funny. it's always the 6A game. Exactly. And it's not even the 5A-D1 game. It's the 5A-D2 game. You know? Exactly, so yeah. That's pretty cool. Pretty I'll cool. I'll say from my
0: end, obviously, you know, our relationships with soccer are too strong for – me to deny that my heart will be there but i do think that this is a game that i'm like you know what if you lose you lose and you lost to a worthy Just adversary and png and so i i would be happy for those kids uh, as well if they won
1: my hope for this game, and especially considering that we've seen the Port Natchez-Groves uh, Twitter accounts kind of rallying behind Jason Todd and the yep. Operation 16K thing, my hope for this game is that this is like a national message about what Texas high school football is about, that two schools with an enrollment of combined under 3,000 kids can fill up an NFL stadium, put on a great product, and really, I guess, just show the... Things about Texas high school football to the state and That's especially right. maybe even the nation that like we all love so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and um, you mentioned the enrollments to beat uh, to beat the record set by Allen, who you know sets the record for state enrollment in Pearland. Two pretty big schools, I think, are uh, pretty good. Um, all right, before we move on to our next picks, let's take one last break uh, to hear from our sponsors, and then we will come back with five A and six A Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA member FDSE. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Ha! Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! All right, uh, let's bring us home, guy. Last three picks of the season.
2: Okay, even thing though they're under protest. But sure, you're sure. Uh, one last thing I note from that game is we've got Kyle Ward going up against his uh, former comrade and Jeff Joseph. Um, oh, great point. Both were on a and m staff together under Kevin Sumlin. So great point. As as young dudes. Um, uh, we, we should Joseph have mentioned some, too,
1: Jeff so. Joseph probably deserves some 5A Coach of the Year love as well. Yes, in his could be segment.
2: the Coach of the Year. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, a lot to talk about in that game. I think we could do a whole podcast on that's that. A, yeah, no
0: that's that's an interesting staff because a lot of those guys came from the Southlake staff, including Cade McCrary, the, the former who's oh, yeah. yep. on that staff. So, yep. yeah, those guys have done a really fantastic job. Shout out to them.
1: Oh, and <laughs> uh, Mike, something I told you, S-word, I'm sorry that I didn't say this. Todd Dodge technically returns to state, but without Austin Westlake. Uh, Todd Dodge is in an advisory role for Port Natchez Groves. Is he really? Yeah. The, the whole they made year a big, just in
2: the playoffs? No,
1: the whole year. They made a big deal about it over the offseason that they were getting him in an advisory only, almost like a consultant-type role. And goodness gracious if huh. that man doesn't uh, have the golden touch.
2: Fascinating. Okay, we'll bring it home here. Last day of state where things start to get a little, uh, you know, sad that things are winding down, but it's usually one of the more fun days, too. So, 5A-D-1, 11 a.m., um, AT&T, Saturday morning. Got the Alito Bearcats, who are 13-2. Taking on a familiar state championship foe in the College Station Cougars, who are also 13-2. According to the DCTF computer, Alito enters this game as an 11-point favorite. A uh, thing of note here is this is actually a rematch of the 2017 5A D2 State Championship, in which College Station won 20-19. to The game was played at the same time. That was an 11 a.m. game on Saturday. It had to follow the Manville Highland Park game from Friday night that was of such high note and is argued oh, as one of the best games of all time. The fear was well, now this game's just going to be a sleeper and, and it's just going to be forgotten about. And it ended up being a, a banger. And I think it's one that's kind of overlooked as time has gone on. Um, and what was even more notable about it was is it really established College Station on the map under Coach Hoff yeah. and that, hey, we're a young program. And we just won this sucker a couple of years after opening the school. So uh, the wheel's spoken. Hudson will go first. I'll go second. And Mike will go third.
1: Obviously, Coach Huff not there anymore in College Station, but the Cougars find a way to rebound from losing him to Decatur, and he took Decatur to a state semifinal, but also losing Marquise Collins in uh, preseason camp, which, I mean, it's just incredible that they got here, but I guess to keep it short and sweet after I rambled on the last one, it's a great story that College Station's here and you know, it wouldn't shock me if this game was closer than I'm expecting in the 11-point spread, but I just think Alito's going to roll. We've talked about Haas Haney all year. I think that he's really kind of found his uh, mark. And then, like I don't know, Alito just has a lot of role players that seem to be uh, really finding their stride as the year goes along, including Caden Finley, Jermichael's son, who has a Texas offer and guy you saw kind of put on a show um, against Burleson Centennial.
2: Yeah, I think he was actually kind of difference maker in that game. Um, you know, they're up 21 nothing. Then Burleson Centennial ties at 21-all. And then they end up winning 42-21, so they go on another 21 run. And two of those touchdowns were fueled by by Caden and Finley, and uh, he's fantastic. Really good route runner. He's huge for his age, like just sculpted, right? Yeah. Um, Obviously, Jermichael's son because Jermichael was a lot of the same things, but yeah, um, yeah. Now he's really impressive. I still think Haas, his future from a position standpoint, is still up to debate between Hudson and I. But he has found his stride at quarterback um, and has really found some comfort in that offense. And then another guy, obviously, Jaden Allen is at Alito, but Chris Johnson, the opposite corner, is a guy that I know Mike knows about. I'm curious what Hudson will think about him. Uh, has some height and some length to him moves. Well, um, he's a junior. I'm kind of curious to see what y'all's thoughts will be this week on him. Um, and then, and then with college station, look, they've come a long way since that love joy loss back in week one. Great in the, week. um, in the Tom Landry classic and Allen, I picked them that week and not knowing that Marquise was going to be out for the rest of the year. Um, but they've come a long way. Right. So, uh, I think they're going to fall short again after they fell short a year ago, the Katy Um, But I think it's a, it's a cool story of just resilience this season, nonetheless. So give me Alito, uh, but still looking forward to this game and what's a rematch of the 2017 state game.
0: We listen. Everybody tried to bury Alito like three games in and um you know it it,
2: yeah, it resilience I, there
0: yeah it was uh that's some heart of the champion stuff because I mean they they lost a guy or they lost a parish episcopal which for for a for a public team to lose to a private school team like that it, it's an eye-opener and shout out to parish they they've been really good they almost beat sock as well um man what if parish could legitimately had they beat sock maybe just claim the 5a state title i For think sure. um but i think uh i think once they got going they really got rolling and uh that's that's a tough program coach Buchanan's a good like a really good coach and uh, they've got a really tough culture you mentioned a lot of the key players i don't I didn't hear you mention Devon Keys, so I don't know if you did or not.
2: No, Devon's another kid. Yeah. Uh,
0: that's another guy to watch who I think is, is like, worthy of putting on an MVP performance uh, on Saturday. I'll take Alito on this one.
2: Yeah, and Mike, just kind of like you, how you mentioned Carthage earlier, man, when Buck gets there, they don't lose, you know, like.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think, was uh, the last loss to College Station when Buck was in the AD
2: chair? Uh, I think so. Or was his last one on the sideline? One or two. But either way, doesn't happen often, right? So usually when they get to this point of the season, you know, it's for good reason and they end up showing up. So two really good stories of resilience this year. Two teams that were slow early getting out of the gates, but they find themselves on the last day of the season. So nothing to uh, be sorry about. So, six eighty-two game is our next one on the slate. Three PM Saturday afternoon. A lot of intrigue in this one as well as we've got the Desoto Eagles who are thirteen and two taking on the Austin Vandergriff Vipers who are fourteen and one. According to the Dave Campbell's computer, uh, Desoto enters this game as a six-point favorite. So the thing of note here is this is the first state title under Claude uh, Mathis at Desoto when they won in twenty sixteen. Uh, that was under Coach Peterman. So this is now his first chance at at the big game. And then this is the first state title appearance ever for Vandy. And they're, I think they're like a 14-year program. It's it's a you know somewhat new school for themselves. So uh, the wheel's spoken. Hudson will go first, Mike will go second, and I'm once again in the trail.
1: Nothing but respect for Drew Sanders and Austin Vandegrift avenge their only loss of the season uh, against Dripping Springs and a Dripping Springs program that I also uh, think would have beaten Katie. I wish that I would have picked Vandegrift to beat Katie, even though it wasn't on our pick them, but just mentally, because I was pretty confident Dripping Springs was going to get them out, but hadn't had my eyes on Vandegrift uh, that much and ended up getting it on a last second field goal, deserved winner. I didn't think there was anything fluky about that game, to be completely honest, but I picked DeSoto to win the state title on our bracket breakdown. I'm actually going to stick with him here. You cannot say enough things, uh, enough positive things about the absolute beat down dog walking, like whatever adjective you want to call a blowout that they did to Denton Guyer last week. Like I felt bad for Jackson Arnold because he was doing his best and had, you know, limited success. But all in all, it was just DeSoto throttling Geyer. And I think that's enough to just pick them and kind of sleep easy at night.
0: Yeah. Uh, DeSoto has a lot of the athletes. Uh, I'll, I'll say this Vandegrift's going to have a really good advantage up front. They've got a, a big offensive line, obviously, with Ian Reed, the Clemson commit, Blake Frazier, a 2024, is getting a lot of notice. Damian Wimberly on the defensive side of the ball uh, is going to give DeSoto's offensive line some problems, but I think the athletes are just too much. And that DeSoto running game is so multifaceted. I will be interested to see what their health situation is because uh, I think Trey Wisner and Tiger Ryden both got banged up a little bit last week. Um, I would assume if they're anywhere close, they will play. Um, give me DeSoto. I was really happy for Claude last week after you know watching him celebrate on the field. Uh, He's gone through a lot to get here. So uh, give me DeSoto.
2: Yeah. So um, I've obviously had my tiff with the bravado of I-20, but I think I'm going to go with DeSoto after last week. Um, I think the implementation of Kyle Coates, former Texas staffer on the defensive staff for DeSoto has been huge. Um, What they did uh, the guy last week was really notable but it was the way they did it on defense with not the most impressive slate of guys like there's some good football players over there i think brandon booker the linebacker is a guy that could see his recruitment pick up a little bit he's 2024 um but overall like if you look at the so that's like man this isn't the most impressive roster i've ever seen of theirs um just from like a physicality standpoint they're not that imposing looking But they fly around, they knocked guy all around, got home to Jackson Arnold quite a few times in some vicious fashion. And uh, I think they're going to do that again this week. Um, I do think Mike brings up a really good point about the health of some of their stars, especially in their backfield. They were banged up a little bit towards the end of that game a week ago. Um, So curious to see how that kind of plays out. But I I suspect they will both play. Uh, So give me the Eagles and for Claude to get himself his first state championship. So moving on to the finale, 7 p.m. Saturday night, 681 state championship game. We've got the Duncanville Panthers, who are 15-0, taking on a team they know oh so well, the Galena Park North Shore Mustangs, who are also 15-0. According to the Dave Campbell's computer, this is too close to call, so it's a pick'em game. Not really much to say here other than it's round four, between these two teams um, with a year off in between. So the wheel's spoken. Uh, Mike has – Mike will go first. Guy will go – or I'll go second. Sorry, I'm just reading off here. And Hudson will be in the trail.
1: Can I say something before we get into the picture real quick? Because I know we are on a little bit of a time crunch. Before the season, we planned for this exact, uh, you know, situation. And we all went on record saying, listen, if it gets to round four, you just can't pick against North Shore this time. But – While that logic, I think, if if the teams were at full strength applies, the fact that Kayla Bailey isn't there, I think, is really interesting for this one. And it kind of mirrors when Jaquindon went out for Duncanville in round two. But the difference is North Shore has kind of had all not all season, but half of a season to kind of prep with David Amador, the UTSA commit at uh, quarterback moving from wide receiver. So I think that makes it interesting. Just. I wanted to offer that preface for fans who may However, be, he's you know, not too.
2: playing quarterback anymore, correct? No, he is. He was last week at least. Okay, because they had moved to a third option for a couple of weeks.
0: Um, No. Or maybe they he, moved he, back. Yeah, they, no, uh,
2: I think. Uh, they had they for he, when they played playoff games. He was at receiver.
1: Yeah. I know last week I saw him with my own eyes just victimizing the,
0: like, so. I just remember I'm talking about on Tevin's step that they had moved him back to receiver and had inserted another kid at quarterback, but maybe they just felt they needed him for, I don't know. Yeah. He
2: very well ha- could have gone back, but they've that's been a musical chair all year with Caleb going down. Um, This will be a sad moment because it is uh, the
0: last game It'll I'll be looking through the box of donuts guy will undoubtedly bring from some Highland park, a donut shop uh, that morning, looking for the last chocolate, See, just to keep me going, we get my last cup of hot chocolate for the night and uh, settling in for the last game of the season. I, I think this is the best shot. Duncanville has at, at getting one for Reggie samples. I just can't pick them. I just can't do it. Uh Give me North shore. Let
2: me keep this simple. Um I think Duncanville maybe has the better roster right now from the health standpoint, maybe just overall. Yeah. Um, when you consider the four times they've played each other. But why would I want the sample of something when I could have the whole thing? You know what I mean? Give me John Kay, North Shore Mustangs. Do it again. 4 no Reggie falls short again.
1: I've tricked you both into picking North Shore as I.
0: I was picking North Shore all the way. It wasn't going to matter.
1: No, I'm also just teasing. There's no chance I'm picking Duncanville. I, I think that they're actually really good. Caden Durham, by the way, I, I think it's just a stud. Like true, like not Olympian level track speed, but like one rung below it. I, if he goes 10-4 or under during track season, I will not be surprised. I thought he was the difference against Sock earlier this year. I thought he was the difference against DeSoto. Really, I guess Spring-Westfield is the only... Thing that I keep circling back to this um, Duncanville team on, and that, I don't know, looking back at the tape, I think that Westfield easily could have gotten them, and obviously North Shore played them at full strength, but when you're looking at the common opponent, and one team wins by one possession, and the other one just buries them, piggybacking off of the fact that we just saw North Shore with a limited offense, Put up 49 on Tony Salazar and Austin Westlake, somebody who I think we all agree is probably one of the best defensive minds in high school football. Like I, I ju- you can't pick against North Shore, even though I think the majority of people would be on Duncanville just based on this one year.
2: Yeah. I yeah, I think it's crazy that with this limited offense for North Shore. <laughs> They just boat raced Westlake in the end. I mean, that's insane. (laughs)
1: Um, Before we get out of here, Mike, I do want to just give you the opportunity to look at the Google drive. You have, let's see, I believe one, two, three picks that are different differing from ours. Um, If you want to maybe change one at the last second to have the possibility to win the thing or not finish in last.
2: Obviously under
0: protest. I don't. I'm good. I'm good with my picks I've made.
2: Okay. It's going to be a martyr for the protest.
0: I guess so. And that's going to do it for (laughs) the state of recruiting. Uh, We appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, We appreciate you guys for following along. We will be back next week to discuss early sign day. And then there will probably be some time off from the show while uh, Christmas and all-star games and all that kind of stuff. So uh, appreciate Guy for coming on with us again this season uh for mike roach shuts the sandwich guy frazier we will talk to you guys next week